This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk. I'm your host, Jim Cromer, and I want to welcome you into the show that is brought to you by The Rope Trainer. Make sure you check out theropetrainer.com today. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check it out as I believe it's a, it's a great device. It can help tons of young kids, older kids, prep kids, college kids, pro kids. You're seeing them in bullpens all over. You're seeing them at the pro level. Obviously, with John Smoltz being involved, he's uh, sharing his thoughts and opinions with a lot of big leaguers, and it's making a difference. So make sure you check it out today, theropetrainer.com. Uh, happy to have you guys with me this week. I'm excited about the show. Um, we've just finished up the Perfect Game series, and of course, I uh, I, I can't tell you how excited I am to, to kind of move on to just a show just to some general thoughts today. So uh, I want to welcome in a, a good friend that I've had on the show before, and I'm going to be using him a little bit uh, about these topics so you know you'll hear him today and hear him again as I'm as I'm real interested to bring up um, some of the things that go on around baseball and as it relates to both um, the family unit and of course the dad function in this whole thing and you know there's been a lot made lately of um, of of some things like sports being a business when it comes to kids how kids are used uh, and things like that it's that relationship and how it's affected in this whole thing that's always got me asking questions. Um, had him on before, uh, did a great job, had a lot of comments about his just general overall thoughts about the relationship that you have with your kid in the game of sports or, or the game of baseball as it comes, as it, you know, pertains to just sports in general. Um, so I want to welcome back my friend and yours fish. What's going on, bud? Oh, not a whole lot. Thanks for having me. Well, um, your, your comments on the last show were so well received by listeners. I f- think that you kind of, uh, found a connection with a lot of people that, we're feeling the same way you were. So I wanted to have you back as, um, you know, I talked a little bit about perfect game and I know you're, you know, familiar just enough to be dangerous with what a large organization it is and what it does for kids within the game of baseball as they try to, you know, reach their, their, their dreams, I guess you could say. But, you know, the thing that I found interesting about that is, you know, that's perfect game in baseball. They have that for basketball and they have that for football and they have it for every sport. And, you know, you, you look at the way this thing is going and how we approach it and the why we approach it, right? It's the why that I'm always curious about. You know, um, I get it that kids, quote unquote, and I know your thoughts on this, kids, quote unquote, want to do some things, but what do they really want to do? You know, and that's really at the crux of my my discussion with you today is going to be how much do they really want to do these things that we have them doing to, and to what degree? So I always find it interesting, and I think you're a level-headed guy that deals with the same things that everybody else deals with when it comes to this. So that's why I was excited to have you on today. Before we do uh, get into the discussion, I want to remind you to check out youthbaseballtalk.com. It's our website. It's where you'll find today's show. And, of course, you can find all the past episodes. Got a lot of people out there binge listening, which I greatly appreciate. 
uh, getting a lot of comments about older shows, which, again, I'm happy to connect people with those influencers or, at the very least, try to answer some questions myself. So make sure you check out youthbaseballtalk.com today. You can also subscribe to the show, which we do ask that you do. You'll get a notification each time the show has been released. Follow us on Twitter. We are at Podcast Baseball. Uh, if you follow us and you're involved in baseball, we're going to follow you back because we're interested to know your thoughts and following all the great people out there and great companies. We can kind of see what's going on in this great game of baseball as well. Youth Baseball Talk on Facebook. Simply type it into the search bar, Youth Baseball Talk. Follow us. Uh, like our page. Share the show around if you would. Uh, our assumption is is that your community is probably filled with tons of people involved in this great game, and any way we can reach them is greatly appreciated. Uh, know that we do uh, understand how important our listeners are when it comes to that. Lineupmedia.fm is where we're housed, and we could not do this show without these wonderful people. They're the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet. Make sure you check them out today. I assure you you'll find another podcast on there that's worth your time. They take it very serious, and you want to listen to what you want to listen to, how you want to listen to it, and more importantly, when you want to listen to it. Check out lineupmedia.fm today. Okay, my man, let's talk a little bit about that relationship, that father-son relationship and how it relates to all this. Um, You know, your son, uh, you and I have talked at length. You're in that situation with your boy where you're no dummy. You're a good athlete yourself. You're a good man, good parent, Um, you know, probably had the typical childhood like the rest of us in that that age group that 40 and 50 year old range you know where sports was different when we were kids you're smart enough to know that your son for example could probably play any sport he really wanted to uh you've mentioned to me before that you wish he did play baseball but he just doesn't just doesn't interest him so basketball's his thing so let me ask you for you ultimately at the end of the day what is your goal as his parent when it comes to the game of basketball well, I always tell myself that I want him to be as good as he can be, to work as hard as he can work, to be as good as he can be. But then I wonder if that's what I really, you know, I say that because it sounds good. Is that what I really want out of it? Okay, so now, I mean, now, okay, so you got the two guys on your shoulder, right? You got the good right. angel. The bad. What's the bad angel want? Well, kind of the same thing, but it's how I approach it as opposed to what he wants. Like, how hard do I push him? Am I always on his ASS about working harder? Because I walk by him all the time. and So you know what the good basketball players are doing right now, yep. don't you? Yeah. They're out practicing basketball, and you're sitting here in an Xbox or something, which has been some sort of a problem here lately. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you mentioned that. I, I don't want to jump ship on you, but you mentioned that business thought before I lose my train of thought, which I often do. You know, any good business – uses uses its resources to make money right and typically the resources are things like grain wheat steel whatever they are in this case it's our children yeah the resources for this business 15 billion dollar business to make money is our children right well well yeah yeah that's the resource that's what this you're right this vehicle so but what, but what ultimately drives the vehicle, the business or us allowing it to drive the vehicle? Well, I guess that's a which came first, chicken or the egg. I have no idea. All I know is when you're talking about a $15 billion business, the resources in this business are our children. And I think we got to be real careful on how we approach this because businesses are going to use in every way they can the resource to make more money. Well, in any way fashionable. I agree with you 100%. Let me ask you, this is the most common statement that I hear that I think affects how we do this and why we do this. 
and I think everybody, this statement is pretty simple, but I think it can, it can expand and I, and it expands in our mind because I think this is ultimately what drives it. The, I don't want my kid to get left behind. And you and I talked about this. You had kind of said that, like, for instance, I had said to you when we had this conversation, it was a few years ago, if you remember it, I think we were out in front of a, a convenience store when you and I had this conversation or a grocery store or something. And you were telling me that you had really wished that he would have kept playing baseball. And I think I said to you, well, fish, I mean, you can tell by looking at him, he's a good athlete. He can always go back to playing it. And you said to me, you said, you know, but the problem is all these other players that are pretty good are going to be doing it all the time for the next few years. And when he goes back and does it, will he be able to do it? Yeah, he'll be able to play. But will he be able to play as well as these kids that have been doing it every day for five years? For most kids, no. I mean, there may be that one in a million that's so good at whatever. But for most kids, no. So that boat sailed. But, you know, does if, if we really dig into this, does my child even have to be an athlete at all? Well. Just to have this great relationship and love him and him love me and respect me. And, you know, does athlete, athletics even have to be involved? I mean, they are in our lives. My daughter, my two oldest kids play. My two youngest are too young yet. But my two oldest play. So they are involved. In, in, and I've liked it. I think I've done some things wrong. I don't know if I've done anything right to this point, but well, I'd say but, you've uh, done plenty right. I hope. I hope. <laughs> but it, it's it it. I've told you this before. It, it weighs on me heavily, and it, I've got conflicting thoughts every time I come up with like do too much, do too little. I recognize he potentially has a talent. You know, we talked about education, how important that is. If I pushed him in education, would I be ostracized or criticized by other parents, society? Well, this this goofy guy's really pushed for his son to be good at education. No one says that. But if you do that too hard in athletics and you get this, you know, and then you think about it. You think, you know, like I said, does he have to be an athlete at all? Do you really care you at know? the end of the day what somebody thinks about you and how hard you push your kid? Do well, you personally? You know, I don't. But so I'm, I'm using that. But in, in reality, it's what I think. So I'm conflicted every day. No, I don't really care what everybody else thinks. Do you, you think anybody really cares? Doesn't seem like it. If it seemed like it, people be doing things a lot different. Yeah, I mean, I, but I don't know if we're capable of doing well, it. Well, because I think we I, do what we think is right. Well, well, we do, but we it's not always right. That's why we have these discussions. That's why we've put so much time and effort into talking about these things. I know you're more heavily involved in baseball because you know the baseball thing. My son didn't want to play baseball, and you just said something like, "Again, my memory's not good," but you said something about the the, the, the real. Issue is this. I wanted my son to play baseball. Right. When I said, I wish he still played baseball. And I still feel that way. I wish he had to play baseball because he'd have been real good defensively. But the problem is he don't want to play baseball. So why should I want him to play baseball? Because I love baseball and I want him to play. Well, I mean, he should. And Well, that's where I'm going with our conversation today. The role cannot be understated that that is us directing and leading our kids into what they do. You said something to me one time. I know, but we overzealous in the, well, no, no, I, that's yeah. That's so my issue. point is this, um, you had told me one time that you thought it was ridiculous that you've never taken your kid camping. And I laughed and said, I haven't taken my kid camping either. Yeah, but you didn't like the woods, but here's right. To. But here's the thing. How do I know if my kid would really like it? Cause I never gave, I never gave him a chance. To go camping. Like, I would tell people, well, my kid ain't got no interest in going camping. Well, how the hell's he knows I didn't take him? On the flip side of that, you know, he played different sports, but ultimately it led him to baseball. Did I lead him there or did it lead him there? 
Well, I'm sure you had a huge influence. In well, that, that's Jimmy. the thing. You know, so you you all, I, there's just so much doubt in the, are we doing right? Are we doing wrong? Where does it end? How do we make these choices? Everybody's looking for help. You know, where's the help come from? Does it come just from inside looking in the mirror? I, I've always said a thousand times over, if something feels wrong, it probably is. Would you not agree? It needs to be addressed anyway. So, I mean, when you look in the mirror at the end of the day, I mean, I, you, one of your best lines ever is, the good Lord put you on this earth to be his parent. Not his buddy. Not his buddy. But, man, it's hard not to be their buddy. It is, but I think I'm saying that in terms of, like, if he's got homework to do and he wants to play this little basketball game Xbox with his buddy, then as his buddy, it's easy for me to say, you know, who cares about the homework? Play Xbox. Because he will like me more at that at that point in time. I'm his buddy. Dad lets me play Xbox whenever I want, 3 o'clock in the morning, whatever. But we all know that that, that isn't the way it should work. I'm his parent. So I got to be the guy that steps in and says, no, we're not playing Xbox today, and we're not playing until 3 in the morning. We're going to get some of this homework done. Now, that makes me less his buddy in his eyes and more of a parent, but I think that's all right. So... We talked a little bit about the business role that plays in all this. And the other thing I was interested to hear from you today is you were a good player. You played multiple sports when you were a kid like most kids did. And I, this sounds ridiculous to say, but back in the day, okay, that makes us sound really old, right? In the old days, right? I mean, you, were, you played football, baseball, basketball. You played them all, right? And you're a good athlete. You, you happen to have been very good friends with uh, a guy that a lot of people that, that listen to the show from the local area know. Um, and I, I can say his name because he won't care. It's Rick Daly. Okay. Rick was a – and, again, you were – he was older than me, so you were really good friends with him. Rick – was Rick a good athlete at everything? Oh, yeah. Okay. So he was yeah. – no matter what you guys went and did, he was good. Yeah. Okay. He was good at So now – Follow me on this one. So Rick leaves high school and goes and plays college baseball. At did he go to? It, it got really confusing because he actually went initially to play football at, at uh, I think Semo, right? And then left and played baseball and then got signed by the Tigers. And... That's okay. So so here's where I'm going with this. So Rick and then and then he came home. He got released. He was going to play for the Cardinals minor league. And then he decided not to do that and got a job. And then, like most guys, he played softball. He was really good at that. I mean, this was a guy that threw the crap out of it. I mean, he throw the ball 90 miles an hour. He could hit. He could run. He could field. He could do everything, right? So my question is this. You probably played with him when he was younger, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. How many hitting lessons did he take? Uh, other than – the old man, probably none. Okay, how many pitching lessons did he take? Again. Was he the best pitcher I mean, and best hitter when he was a kid, one of them? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, he probably threw harder than everybody else, so he was but, hard to hit. But I think that's the problem. I think, like, as you look at it now, you think, you know, with a little more tutelage along the way, could have you made it to the big show? Well, that's, why, that's ma- why I wanted to use him as an example. incredibly hard. Maybe if he had a little better mechanics, maybe if he had a little, maybe he makes it. So, you know, it's tough to say. Or what happened? I mean, after going to these perfect, is there any kid out there like that anymore? That makes me wonder. Is there a kid somewhere that just is 
bigger, stronger, faster, that throws the crap out of it, hits the snot out of it, and he doesn't go to any of these events, and it doesn't seem like it anymore. Well, not today because it's changed so greatly. I mean, it is different. And when you were talking about me being a good athlete or whatever, I appreciate that. But I really – I was I was uh, mediocre at best. Now, what I did do was compete hard because I loved it. I was never – I talked to you about the relationship I had with my father, who I love. He's gone now, but I loved him. But he was never over – we were never – he might have played catch with me a few times when I asked, but we were never somewhere saying – you take a guy like me, had I gotten some of them lessons like these kids today? You know, they train year-round, hitting. So they're bigger, stronger, faster, better fundamentally. They're just better than we were. But we didn't get the opportunity or forced to have the opportunity to do the things they're doing today. We didn't take hitting lessons. You know what? I, I, I talked to your good buddy, uh, uh, get him going brain dead, uh, Funkhauser. Mr. Right. Funkhauser. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to watch your son work with him, and I said uh, – I was trying to be funny, but it's just the truth also. I told him, I said, you know, I learned more about hitting in five minutes listening to you than I did my whole athletic career. And it's true because when I played, they said things like, keep your weight in your back foot and keep your back elbow up. That was a hitting lesson. <laughs> now, you know, I seen that, that what's his name? Is it Josh Donaldson for the Blue Jays? Yeah, yeah. I seen him give a 30-minute thing on ESPN one time about hitting lessons. I thought, my God, unless you grew up with this, I, I couldn't even understand it. He's talking about not just hip rotation, he's talking about flexor muscles and delivering from the front to the back. And, you know, maybe if I'd grown up with that, I would have understood it all. But being that I didn't, I did not understand it all. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like I said, our hitting lessons were keep your weight in your back foot and keep your elbow up. That was it. We didn't get all this. But we're not as good as they were either. Well, we, we didn't hit the ball as good as they do today. But a lot of that is not just the lessons. They, they train physically. They're bigger, stronger, faster than we were, which always plays a role, you know, like. Said Sir Isaac Newton's second thing of relativity or whatever was force equals mass plus speed or whatever. Easy, easy, I mean, easy. Well, I probably ain't got that right. So the, well, the, either, well, the listeners, there listen, ain't nobody listening. You're back to old fish now. Hey. You got me because unless I start punching in the computer box, I'll have to say that sounds and, good. And there ain't nobody out there listening to me <laughs> calling that because they don't know either. But th- the point is they're bigger and stronger, so they're going to hit it farther and faster and all that stuff. But we didn't get all that. Is it better? Because I, I also have said on your shows before and talked to you privately that I don't know that they'll ever have as much fun doing this as we did. Well, because there's always a 40-year-old guy standing over the top of an 8-year-old saying, get your head way back, and, and all the just pounding. Uh, you know, we didn't have that. But yeah. we had fun. I went back. Like I said, my dad didn't force me. I went back because I wanted to go back. Yeah, it's funny. You watch certain guys that from our time and the way they coach younger kids, it's completely different than most people do. They kind of take them out and they just let them hit and they just let them throw. And, you know, I, I, I always use Darren Hendrickson as an example. And I know you're friends with him. He's a Granite City guy. And, you know, he's made himself into an awfully good college baseball coach and very well thought of in the in the industry. And I, tell I love st- listening to him, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I, I love telling this story all the time. When his kid came and played for us, his older son, um, some parents were really excited about him coming. And, we had, and I was, too. You know, I had said, you know, it's going to be really nice having him around, and he wants to help. You talking about Darren or the yeah, boy? Yeah, Darren, Darren. Both of them. Well, his right. son, I, I like him too. Um, you know, I I just remember thinking, man, this is going to be great. Because, you know, for a variety of reasons. Number one, obviously you would assume, and, and rightfully so, that when it comes to teaching people how to do things, he's going to be very good at it, number one. Number two, if you know Darren at all, he's very – in tune with trying to figure out a way to not over-abuse kids when it comes to sports, especially throwing, okay? So 
in a perfect world, if you could find your son on a baseball team, how could you not want a guy like that as one of the coaches? You would want to, yes. You would absolutely. I mean, you would pay money to have that guy coach your kid, and really this is no different than playing for any select team. You pay what you pay. He's not getting a dime, right? Right. Well, I'll never forget the first three weeks of indoor, you know, you start in January, you know, and he put a plan together, and he told everybody what it was. He said, listen, these kids are, you know, 11 years old, 10 years old, whatever they are. We're going to do the same thing we do. We don't need to do more. Everybody wants to do more. That's what he's always said. He felt like all these kids, they want to do more. He'd say, my kids are Division I baseball players. I throw batting practice St. Louis Cardinals. I'm friends with Dave Duncan. These guys do not start throwing until six weeks before they throw their first pitch off a mound. Throwing, pitching, like getting ready for pitching. They start a six-week program before they throw their first game pitch. Right? Well, some of the parents are like, well, I thought we were going to do work on pitching all winter. He's like, you can throw a little bit. We can work on some stuff, but we're not going to get on that mound until six weeks before our first pitches do. And some parents just couldn't understand that. And I'm sitting here going, wait a minute. This guy's a Division One baseball coach. He's known as a pitching guy. He cares about your kid and his arm health. He, unlike you and me who sit around over a beer and talk about what we think is right, he goes and asks Dave Duncan and Tony LaRusa, hey, what do you think? Right? So that was the beginning of me going, I don't know that we'll ever appreciate people unless what they're doing mirrors up with exactly what we want, right? Because we always want more, right? And sometimes less is more, but we struggle with that. It morphed into watching him three weeks work with these kids and a couple parents going, well, is he going to change and change them and do stuff and I asked him about it because I got to be honest with you even I kind of thought I even I kind of thought man that kid he doesn't look very good and is he gonna and he said he goes listen this kid's 10 years old he's gonna throw it like he throws it right now you just got to let him enjoy it let him learn try to teach him some things but you can't come in here and make this kid a robot do this do this do this he goes same thing with hitting they swing it like they swing it. Let them be an athlete. And then over time, let them pick things up and learn and feel and do things. And then as they get older and they can repeat things and they're mature enough to understand instruction, then we'll do some real instruction. But right now it's about learn about playing the game, enjoying it, having some fun, making sure they're not doing anything that's going to get them hurt. Hey, so I, I buy into that. I buy into that completely. But who am I? Nobody. So having said that, that I personally buy in the way he's approaching that, is he right? Because I promise you there's people there, – there's nobody I give more street cred to than, than Darren Hendrickson as far as coaching. I'm really impressed and think that uh, he, he knows his stuff. He knows how to, to handle it. But is he right? Well, Ultimately, you, how do we know? Because there's somebody in that same argument that's got the same kind of credentials somewhere saying, oh, no, we need to throw, we need to develop arm strength, we need to, the way they've always done it. Yeah. I don't personally agree with that. Hey, my boy plays basketball. I bring him up a lot. That Every coach in America, Mike Krzyzewski, Bobby Knight, all of them, the way they handle shooting free throws is at the end of practice, they make kids, players shoot 100 free throws, 200, whatever it is. I've always disagreed with that. I think it ought to be the first thing you do. And the reason I say that is because I think at the end of practice, when you're tired and you're now deadbeat tired, their philosophy is that's when you're going to shoot free throws in a game. You're going to be tired. I, I, I hear that. 
My philosophy is when you're practicing a skill and you're practicing it deadbeat tired, you're developing bad habits probably. It's hard to shoot it fundamentally correctly because you're so tired that you're letting bad habits creep into what you're doing. So look it, I disagree with the big wigs. That's how every coach in America. But all you're these fish. Great coaches, <laughs> they say this is how you ought to do it. I disagree with it. So all I'm saying is, is Darren right? I personally agree with this philosophy on this, but is he right? Yeah, and you know, I mean, and, and here's the hard thing. Here, here's the hard thing. Somebody doing it completely the opposite way, it's worked out. Yeah, Isn't but, that really how everything happens? Right, but there's a lot of people, and we've read some books on this even, Jimmy. There's a lot of kids, and I'm not talking about just making it to the big leagues. I'm talking falling short of that, that have blown out their elbows, arms, shoulders, lost velocity, velocity can't pitch. So there's a whole, and there's more of those guys than guys that make it. Well, based on that million-dollar arm. Let me ask you this question, though, when it comes to kids. And I think kids. they're overexposed. Or, is... <laughs> How much of it is just well here, let me let me let me say this. Have you ever wondered this is gonna sound odd to some degree, but have you ever seen a kid that has no interest in sports whatsoever? And then you look at your kid who loves to do this and wonder what makes them tick differently? Or was it purely parent driven because the parent showed no interest in getting them involved in sports? Or you ever wonder that? Are kids certain kids I mean are we all different to some degree? And, and where I'm going with this is, wouldn't the same thing apply to the kids that maybe get hurt versus the kids that don't? You're just bodies different? Yeah, I think there's genetics involved, and, and, and yes, I have wondered that. But, you know, parents lead by example, and certainly the parents have a big influence on whether their kids like or love baseball. Maybe that relationship you've built with your two boys, just talking, sitting at home watching a Cardinal game, saying, now why would you hit and run there? And, and they develop this interest because they respect and love you, and then they grow to like the interest. But I think the th same thing could have happened if you'd have never watched the baseball game or talked about baseball in your house, and you did the same thing with fishing. Then they would probably really love to go fishing or camping, even though you don't like the woods. So, <laughs> so you know, yeah, I think the parents' influence drives a lot of this. Not all. Because my influence would have been, and I did watch Cardinal games and did talk to him. My boy don't like baseball. Yeah, and I've told you to this. That's day, what I'm saying, isn't I've it? I've always thought I still wish he played baseball, but that's I wish he played baseball. But he don't wish he played baseball, or he would have played. Ultimately, so, why do you think he didn't play? <laughs> he says because it's too slow for him. Now, so if I'm just buying into everything he tells me, it's it's not fast paced enough for him. Huh. But. There may be other factors also. Maybe I was overbearing in a way that he was like, even at a young age, recognized, whoa, this ain't <laughs> for me. Because I tell you, and I'm embarrassed by this, even though we laugh about it within my family, he was playing shortstop one time. This was T-ball. And a ball got hit past him, and he was basically picking up dandelions. <laughs> and the center fielder had to go get the ball and throw it back in. And I told him, in between innings, I said, son, if you ever, you've embarrassed yourself and you've embarrassed this entire family. Now he's five. <laughs> I said, if you ever do that again. I'm sorry I will, to laugh. but I said, if you ever do that again, I will come out here to your next game wearing nothing but a thong. You want to talk about being embarrassed? And I look back at that and I think, my God, what's wrong with me? And then I thought it was just absolutely appropriate. Said, come on, son. Pay yeah. attention. 
And and as the listeners listen to this, they probably think that I'm really an overbearing guy with my and I'm not. I just oh. struck me to say that. But maybe that plays a role. Maybe he said, you know what? Maybe the the emotions that I have with uh uh relative to this game have not always been good because dad's like pushing me in a way that I don't want to be pushed. Right. I don't know if that's right. I've told you before I'm conflicted. Have I done things right or wrong? And at the end of the day, as you like to say, I, I don't really care that he don't play baseball. I wish that he had, but he don't, and it's, it's not that big of a right. deal. But that's yeah. what I told him. You've embarrassed yourself and the entire family. He's five years old. <laughs> now, there's no, now, if you had me in front of Dr. Phil right now, what do you think his response would be to that? How's I, that working out for you? Uh, not very well. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, you know, and again, I don't <laughs> – Listen, we're all trying to reach them in some way. That I, I, there's not a parent out there that hasn't been frustrated with their kid when it comes to sports or even academics or life that hasn't searched for something perfect to say to them that will motivate them to be better. I don't care if it's something derogatory. I don't care if it's something motivating. I don't care if it's a something we're begging. I think ultimately we all try to find something that 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 phrase that sentence to say to our kid that makes the light go off. And for you that day, it was probably what? just trying to motivate him by him going, "Well, I don't want to embarrass the family. I got to get to work here." Well, that's that's what makes what I said so wrong. Is that at the time I thought it was right. Right. As I look back now, it's absolutely ridiculous. Here's the thing, though, Jimmy. You talk about us saying the right thing and motivated. We've we've talked about education. We've talked in off the air, and we've talked about athletics, and we've talked about social uh, involvement with other kids or age. How do they fit in? Here's the thing. So you're saying that we need to do and say things to motivate them or try to. And I think you're right. I think we do. But do we need to? Because do we need to do that? Can can I not say any of those things and let him grow into or out of playing little league baseball? Oh no no I I wasn't saying uh, I wasn't saying that uh, we should do it we I all, said we do do it Oh absolutely <laughs> we all do it and maybe you're right though because we've talked also before if your child has a talent in something why would you sit by and watch him or her waste it instead of work on it and making it you know we, we realize we get older that we may not have that many talents when you have some work on them hard you know you have a talent for this let's work on this hard so then you get the parent involved where. It's deep. Uh, maybe, maybe the kid, like I said, don't don't want to be that involved. You know, I said it's like when my son's shooting a basketball. You know, the one thing that basketball great shooters have in common, without exception, is they shot a lot. And I don't mean shot a lot in games like a ball hog. I mean they worked on their craft. There's no great shooters who didn't shoot a lot. So having said that, every kid, and my son looks like he may be going down this road now. Every kid may not want to six days a week shoot three, four hundred times. He loves basketball and wants to play basketball, and he wants to be as good as he can be. But maybe he he wants to ride his bike with his buddies. Maybe he wants to play wiffle ball with your boys in the backyard goofing around. Maybe he wants to do other things and shoot three to four hundred times a day, six days a week to become a great shooter. Well, you know. There's a certain amount of work that's necessary, a certain amount of work that's needed, and a certain amount of work that is optional. And, you know, does is there any proof that that optional work, 
that additional, optional, additional, whatever you want to call it. Is there any proof that that additional work makes that big of a difference? I guess, you know, we hear stories of all these guys that, I mean, isn't that ultimately the end of the day? It's those stories, the Bryce Harpers, the Derek Jeters, the things. We hear these stories about all this stuff they did in their free time instead of doing this or doing that. Um, You know, I I do think, Jimmy, that the extra work and the hard work pays off because I've always told my kids, you got to outwork people. If you want to be better, you got to outwork them. But I guess my point is, does my son really want to be better than everyone else that's shooting a basketball? Maybe he don't want to be. Maybe he wants to be good, but also enjoy other things. I look at it as saying, son, you got, it seems like a, at least a decent talent to keep working on it to be really good in high school as a shooter. But does he want to pay that price? Dad wants him to. There's no doubt. I want to sit up there in my bag of popcorn on game days and watch him bust threes on everybody. But does he want to? Is he willing? And when I say that, I guess what I mean is that like 70, we talk about, when I say that, I mean, is he willing to make that sacrifice? Every kid wants to be good, I guess. But does he want to make the sacrifice to be as good as he can be or better than everybody else? That's the thing, I think. You know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, too, all these points are all phenomenal. It's hard, I think, to make a kid understand the sacrifice of time because for a kid, a kid just wants to be a kid. You know what I mean? And we as parents, I think, try to instill in them this work ethic. And, man, just saying that out loud 30 seconds ago, asking a kid to sacrifice time to devote it to something, again, I've said it once, I'll say it again. I mean, when you're 10, 11 years old, you don't know what the hell you want to do. You just want to play and have fun. No, but that's we brought up on another show, or again, privately off air, we talked about if a father and or mother was doing the same thing educationally, recognized that their child had a talent in mathematics, and that parent pushed them as hard as they could push them to be as good as they could be, no one would bat an eye at that. Everyone would, matter of fact, if you did it otherwise, you would be the guy saying, what's this guy thinking? Push, 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 because he's got a talent in math. He's got a talent. Let's get, you know, that's okay. But, boy, the first time you do that pitching or – and we'll use pitching because I think unlike shooting at basketball, I'm not really doing physical damage to my son. The same thing cannot be said about a youth or child pitching. We not only – you may drive him away from or don't want to be that good. You may actually physically ruin his arm, which we've seen a lot. So so a parent that's overbearing in, in youth baseball pitching-wise – gets criticized, but a parent that pushes his kid to be good at math doesn't. And it's ignoring the elephant in the room to act like that. Because I know this isn't something people want to hear, especially educators, but in my children's lives, at least least the two oldest ones, because the two youngest ones aren't old enough yet, but athletics is as big as part of their life as education. Now, I know nobody wants to hear that, but it's ignoring that elephant because it's just true for for most young athletes. My son spends more time athletically doing things than he does educationally. And we, my wife's a school teacher, so we try to ensure that he does a lot educationally. But it's still never going to be as much as he does athletically. And that's true of Bryce Harper, too, and I don't know the man, but I guarantee you that's true. Yeah, again, I, you use the word balance a lot whenever you talk about these topics with me and especially off air. Um, it's that balance that at the end of the day we all have to find. And, again, I, I appreciate you being on here because you do bring a, an honest 
perspective. Um, and at ultimate, at the end of the day, that could be part of this problem is how honest are we with ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I can assure you, I have not been honest with myself. Nor have I. You know, I have made plenty of mistakes as, as documented on this show. I begin to sometimes think this is an autobiography of what not to do based on my own dealings. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's, it's, it's important. It really is because the relationship with our children and how we go about pushing them, really ultimately pushing them in the right direction, whatever that is, isn't just about athletics, isn't just about academics. It's about life, really. At the end of the day, I mean, the athletics they perform as a child, the academics, the relationships they have with family, the relationship with friends, the things that they do, shapes who they become. Hey, let me ask you this question. So, We haven't I, even talked about spiritually. I, you know? Hypothetically, you're 70 years old, and your boy comes over to see you. You know, it makes me... It reminds me of that song about my boy was just like me oh, when yeah. the old man missed oh, his yeah. life. Oh, yeah. But he comes over to talk to you, whatever, family visit, and the only common interest you have is baseball. Be awful. Wouldn't that disappoint you a little? Sure. That you couldn't talk about other things going on in life because really the only common ground you have is baseball? I, I mean, sure. Well, and I think. Do you think a lot of people think that as long as the baseball's good, the other stuff's good too? Do you think people think that? Oh, yeah. I think we all think that. I think that's part of the problem. Or, or, or whatever sport. In, insert sport right. here. Right. So, Yeah, I think, I think most of us think that, and that's the whole thing about being honest with ourselves. We've convinced ourselves that, that, that what you just said is true, that as long as the baseball's all right, everything's fine. You know, look at the struggles that, um, oh, what's the guy that played for the Rangers' name? Well, he had some drug addict problems. He was like a Bryce Harper, lefty even, good hitter. Josh. Oh, Josh, Josh Hamilton. Josh the, Hamilton. Uh, the, uh, the, yeah. No, I don't know what created his problems, and, and I wouldn't typically even like to bring this up except for the fact that he's written books on it, and I've read the book. So he's open and honest about it. Look at the issues he went through. Oh, so yeah. baseball was always good for him. He could out hit everybody in his age group, including when he reached the major leagues. But life wasn't always good. I'm not saying one calls the other, and I'm not saying every kid that struggles with baseball is going to find that path, but I guess my point is just that, that everything's not necessarily good just because baseball's good. Because I can assure you, because I read the book, that everything in his baseball life was always good. Yeah, I think Rick Ankiel would be you know, another example of that. Would he not be? <laughs> yeah, I don't know as much about well, I think he, I don't you know, know he thinks dad had some problems, and, you know, and he – just anxiety wise, it was crazy. And I think he, in his book, same thing. I'm not criticizing, but you know, he turned to alcohol and that's right. a mess. It's a mess. I bring it up because they've brought it up in books. Sure, Otherwise absolutely. I wouldn't, but yeah, but I'm not open. here. I, I assure you at no time am I ever here to jump in somebody else's nightmare. I got my own problems. Know what I mean? <laughs> so, right. But that's what I guess that at the end of the day, if your son is Josh Hamilton, I would never say disappointed because these are all the trials of life that we all go through. But how important was it for him to be the best baseball player? And at one time, he probably was. I think he won the American League MVP once. But at one time, he was the best baseball player out there, but he, he struggled with the rest of his life. Now, see, I would hate that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would rather see my son not make it to the big leagues, but be a well-rounded, socially adept young man. Boy, and I think at some juncture, 
there are some people out there that would say, not me, and that's sad. Well, that was me when I was telling him you've embarrassed yourself and the whole family at five years old playing T-ball. I was that guy being that way. And I look at it now, and I, like I told you, I'm not just saying this for, for any other reason to say it embarrasses me to think that I said that. I mean, that's crazy. Well, again, that's why you're a quality guest on the show. It's the honesty. It's the, uh, it's the understanding and the willingness to say, I don't know. I don't know that we say I don't know enough. I mean, I think we always feel like when something comes up, we have to have an answer. And I think as a parent, you try to have an answer for your kid. But, man, sometimes, you know. I don't have to say I don't know. I got a wife at home that reminds me of that every day (laughs) that I don't know. Good stuff, my man. Hey, I appreciate you being on today. It means a lot to me that you take time and. And and you're just you're very sincere, dude, about this stuff, and that's why it means a lot to me that you come on and share your honesty with our listeners. Well, thanks for having me. You know that I would come back to this show anytime. Well, I do appreciate it. That is my man Fish, and again, I want to remind everybody that uh, he's brought to you by the Rope Trainer. Check him out, theropetrainer.com. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Um, happy to uh, to have him on, and wish him and his family nothing but continued success and. Uh, just listening to the man talk, I think everybody can be fairly confident that he's going to do things the right way and figure it out. And, and, and that's what I, my hope is for everybody listening to the show is that regardless of what the final answer is, that you find that and it works out for you and yours. Because, again, this is we're talking about games. We're talking about life. We're talking about development. So those things are really important to me as I know they are to you. And, again, thank you to the guys that, that, that feel the exact same way about that development, and that's Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, John Smoltz, everybody over at The Rope Trainer. Uh, again, you could do yourself no worse than to check out theropetrainer.com today and what they're trying to do for young athletes all over the place when it comes to throwing, especially you softball players out there now that they have the softball device as well. We're going to hear now from their choice to bring you the rope report each week. Kirk McNabb does a great job with Dirtbag Baseball Nation. He's been traveling. He's been doing a lot of amazing things when it comes to baseball. Uh, He does a great job with his rope report each week, just in an effort to try to teach you a little bit more about it, how it works, and what it's used for. If you ever have any questions, make sure you email me, info at youthbaseballtalk.com. Happy to have you guys send me those, uh, those questions. Uh, I hooked somebody up with, uh, with, with Kirk this week that had some questions about the use of the rope trainer. We're happy to do that. All you have to do is just let me know. Let's hear from Kirk now and see what he's got for us this week on his rope report. Take it away, bud. Hope you had a great week, Jim, and that your son has settled into college nicely. Exciting times, no question, for the Cromer family. We've been really enjoying your show the last few weeks. You've provided great insight into all things related to perfect game. Your listeners have to be smarter about what's involved and how it's not just as easy as starting an idea and it being successful right away. It takes time, commitment, trust, and 100% belief even when others don't. Wait a minute. Perfect game starts to sound a lot like you have the right, or you having the right idea to run a podcast to give listeners top quality baseball related knowledge on a variety of subjects and call it youth baseball talk. Or me, starting Dirtbag Baseball Nation to help train, affiliate with the best baseball and college recruiting companies in order to promote their training products and equipment, and produce apparel for any player or anyone in the world who wants to be a dirtbag and become part of the nation. Hey, let's be realistic. Even Earl and Todd, who invented the rope trainer, had to start with an idea because they they wanted to help every player 
no matter your age or skill level, improve your throwing mechanics and create arm and body health. That's how we became to know each other and come up with the rope report idea in order to help give small insights into educating all you listeners on the rope trainer, dirtbag baseball nation, and the importance of using your entire body during your throwing motion and so much more. You'll remember the last week I talked about not making excuses of why you're not becoming a better ball player. This game doesn't owe any of us anything. We owe the game and we have to earn our place in it. So just like I called all of you out to go out and train harder and smarter than the next guy, I have to do the same thing with Dirtbag Baseball Nation. The rope trainer has to do the same thing. And Jim, even you have to continue to do the same thing if we all want to earn their respect and be the best bunch of dirt bags going. I'm going into week three over here in France with my player development, and this week I worked with a player who had a significant arm injury in his shoulder a few years ago. Good kid, but throws the ball now almost like a shot put when he throws live in practice or a game. He's being instructed and tried himself to make the changes necessary to throw correctly, but has had no luck with it. I let him run through infield outfield drills to get a good look at him, and it was painful to watch. I took him aside afterwards and gave him the rope trainer with only one rope attached and let him throw with it before I even talked to him. He immediately threw properly. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I sure didn't expect immediate results, but that's what we got. I stopped him after six throws and asked him, why can't you do that live? Of course, he said, he wasn't sure. And then I pushed him a little bit further and asked him if he was afraid to hurt his arm again. He admitted he was, but he knew that he did it properly when throwing with the rope. I proceeded to put all three ropes on and let him throw. Immediately, you could see the reaction on his face, and he also felt the extra load on his shoulder. I let him do a couple more and then shut him down. My purpose was to teach him that yes, he can trust himself to throw properly, but he isn't strong enough right now to really turn it loose and do it consistently. We went over the information card that's included with every rope trainer so that he now knows exactly what he needs to do daily, weekly, and what not to do in order to become the player he wants to be again. He left extremely excited with smiles and handshakes repeatedly throughout the rest of practice, as he should. You all need to understand one thing. I'm not the voice of the rope report because they pay me. I do it because I believe in the rope trainer 100%, and I use it as part of my dirtbag baseball nation. I also believe in what it, can, what it is and what it can do for the throwing side of your game. As I've been saying every week, pitching and throwing is our number one priority here at Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and the rope trainer helps us tremendously with being arm care specialists to countless amounts of players. We've seen the difference. We know the difference. We believe in the difference. I want every player to have their own rope trainer to help with your throwing because you'll be training with an actual baseball. And let's be honest, that's what we play with. So why would we train with anything else? The ropes are easy to attach and give you resistance during the throwing motion, as well as give vital feedback to let you know you're using it correctly. You must extend and follow through properly so the ropes finish on your back when you're done your throw or pitch. Using the rope trainer forces you to activate muscles throughout your whole body naturally 
And once you've been taught how to use it properly, you can train in a variety of ways depending on what position you play or if you're throwing a live bullpen. These are all training programs I've been teaching over here in France over the last three weeks. Now, if you're interested in having me come or talk to or train your program or association, contact me, Kirk McNabb, at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. It's what I do, so contact me if you want your players to be better pitchers and throwers in general. Like I said at the first of this episode, we all had an idea based around baseball, and we all have to believe in it every single day in order for it to become greatness. We're all succeeding because of all of you. And now, France Baseball is succeeding and getting dirty with their throwing program because of us. I challenge you to do the same by getting your own rope trainer or calling us to help promote it throughout your program if you don't already have your own. I want to tell all of your teammates, or sorry, I want you to tell all your teammates, friends, and family about the Rope Report, Youth Baseball Talk, and Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and how they can get a rope trainer by going to www.theropetrainer.com. Now, be sure to enter Dirtbag, the number five, Dirtbag, the number five at checkout, so that we know you heard about it here on Youth Baseball Talk and the Rope Report. I'm Kirk McNabb, and that's all I have for this week's episode, Dirtbags. So keep following us on Facebook and Instagram at Dirtbag Nation, or sorry, Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and visit us at www.dirtbagbaseballnation.com to find out everything that we offer. You can also email me with any questions or comments in regards to throwing at any time, anytime at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. Until next week, I need you all to stay dirty. Baseball, or sorry, I need, (laughs) sorry, I need all of you dirtbag baseball worthy to stay dirtbag baseball worthy by hitting that field and getting dirty. Great stuff as always, and we do greatly appreciate uh, Kirk and the guys over at theropetrainer.com for bringing him uh, on each week as we had had a lot of people just say, hey, I'd like to know a little bit more about it and how it works. So Kirk does a great job with that. Make sure you check out Dirtbag Baseball Nation or, of course, theropetrainer.com. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Check it out today. Uh, Another great guy that we're happy to bring you each and every week and is a part of the program for quite a long time here now. And again, you guys all know him. You guys all look forward to a segment each week. Let's hear from Justin Travis and all the gang over at EliteBaseball.tv with their training tip of the week. Take it away, gents. All right, guys. Justin Stone here with EliteBaseball.tv coming to you with a very important tip of the week. I am a big advocate of using a batting tee. And this time of year, from the fall until really we get to Christmas, I try to work a lot of mechanical deficiencies with our players because it's a good time of year to work the mechanical aspect of the swing when you're not playing as many games and not as much of a competitive setting. The T is the place that I do that. It takes out the variable of a moving pitch and allows us just to focus on the feel of our body and making mechanical adjustments. However, the T, designed to be a great tool to help your swing, can be just as harmful to a player if they aren't using it properly. And I'm gonna talk about two key ways that you need to watch how you're using the tee that could end up hurting your swing more than helping it. And the first one is tee positioning with my body. 
And what I mean by this is how far back, even with or in front of the tee, should I be when I'm using it? Generally, when we're working tee work, we're trying to hit the ball up the middle. And players need to set up on the tee where they land with their stride foot, even with the ball, to hit a ball middle. The errors I see are twofold with youth athletes. Either they put the tee right in the center of their body, and they think, okay, I'm lined up on the tee right now, or it's in the center of me, and then I end up stepping way past it and constantly end up chopping down on the ball, knocking the tee over. But that's a pretty easy one to adjust because you get the negative reinforcement of hitting the tee over and over again. But the bigger flaw, and I see this with athletes as they get older and older, is when they land way behind the tee stem and end up having to drift forward with their body to go get the ball. So now I have a carryover from something that's reinforced over and over again with multiple T-swings that once we get to a moving ball, their center of gravity continues to drift into their front side too early, and we get a player that's constantly lunging. And this was built into their body. The body is a very smart compensator where it knows when we're trying to do something in a, in a repetitive setting, it's going to stick. And when we get into that front leg over and over again on the tee, there's no doubt that you're gonna see some carryover to that when we get to a moving pitch. So we take the power out of the lower body and then we have players that constantly struggle with off-speed pitches because they can't wait once they get into their front leg because they've lost their balance and weight distribution. The second one is varying the tee height. When we're getting to a ball that varies in location and height, inside, outside, up and down. The body will tilt in the upper, the torso, in order to get me to the pitch height correctly. And what you see when I do this is the higher the pitch, tendency is the body's a little more upright. The lower the pitch, you're gonna see more tilt by the inside shoulder. And if you're watching this on video now, you'll see very similar lines between my shoulders and the barrel. So it's almost parallel right there. The farther the pitch is away, the tendency is the more inside tilt I have to that ball, the torso gets me on plane to the ball early and then maintains that positioning throughout the swing to keep me in the hitting zone. That posture of a hitter is crucial to keeping a player in the zone, and this will give them a little more leeway on either side of timing, simply because the barrel stays in the hitting zone for a further distance. But when players, and I see this a lot on the lowest pitch, when they're used to doing the tee mid-thigh and mid-thigh only, and that's where they have the tee, if they do 100 swings, they're putting it all in the same position, they are very poor at getting to a pitch lower in the zone because they're not used to bending that posture. So for me, I always tell players that struggle with this, get the, t the tee at the lowest setting and learn to attack from underneath the ball where the inside shoulder has to tilt the body posture, you'll see get this inside lean to allow me to attack underneath the ball and then maintain that posture through the rest of the swing. The reason why I advocate doing a lower tee first is for youth athletes, it requires a ton of core strength, specifically in the obliques, in order to hold that positioning. If I'm not strong enough there, or I haven't been put in that scenario over and over again, I don't have the strength enough to maintain that posture, they end up coming upright very early with their torso and cuts the bat out of the zone. So we do need to mix the tee up both in height and location to work on varying postures and varying degrees of tilt in order to keep me attacking from underneath the baseball and staying on plane. So the same thing happens. I had a college hitter come in here over and over again this summer that 
their college coach wanted them to do IT work, and that was the basis for their instruction and their mechanics. And he struggled immensely with anything middle or down in the zone because it was, he was always used to an upright posture. So we had to change that by getting him to attack the low T over and over again to get him used to varying degrees of posture tilt. So that is two ways that I see the T misused that ends up harming mechanics as much as it can help you. But using the T in a correct sense and incorporating it into your training can give you a mechanical advantage that'll carry you over to the field. Until next time, this is Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv. Come check out our T drills in our hitting video series, 12-week sequential hitting plan, as well as our searchable drill filter that can incorporate any drill to your specific flaw. Until next time, we'll see you on the field. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Always, always appreciate it. As like I said, I think um, you know our listeners have come to look forward to those tips each and every week, and they mean so much. Check them out at EliteBaseball.tv. You can see the videos in person, and again, they do a phenomenal job. Uh, the other gentleman I'm proud to have on here each and every week is Rick Strickland from Rick Strickland Baseball and, of course, St. Louis Pirates Nation. He is part of the Blast Motion team, so let's hear what Rick's got for us. Take it away, bud. Hey, Jim. It's awesome to be back on the show again this week and uh, ready to answer the question of the week. And the question of the week was, there's actually a couple different questions involved in that, um, that question you sent over to me. Uh, and it asked, the question says, ask, uh, you see a ton of arguments on social media coaches teaching kids how to do things like big leaguers. I see people say you can't expect kids to do what big leaguers do. Uh, I say that when I was a kid, we learned by watching big leaguers and emulating how they, they did it. And, um, not being coached like a robot. Um, the arguments, yeah, I, I've social media and have some followings, but I don't really uh, get into discussions with people about swings on social media, especially when you're looking at applying that to your own personal development. And the reason why we don't do that, and I've said many times on this show, uh, every person is different. Anytime we do things that we'd like to copy and things like that, but and that's fine. I want kids to continue to do that today, but copying your favorite player uh, is just an introduction to the game and gets you to do things in the right way. But it doesn't mean that you're going to have the same level of success, of success as that other player. And even though you're emulating and copying that guy, and you may look like that player a little bit from a style perspective, the question you have to answer is, are you just as efficient as that person in his movements? And there's really no way to know that. Uh, the only way we've been able to track that over time is by batting averages or things like that. But we always say if you need a bone marrow uh, transplant you, and you're copying Josh Donaldson and you look exactly like Josh Donaldson in the cage, you can't go give Josh Donaldson or Josh Donaldson can't give you his bone marrow. Uh, you should probably not. More likely you can't do that. And in some cases they may be able to do that, but very rarely will you do it. What, what I mean by that is that your structure – your athleticism, how you're built, your arm length, your whip length, your, uh, your waist length is different than the players that you're trying to copy. So don't expect the same result. I'm not saying don't copy them. Kid, all kids should do that. That's how we, we actually grow our interest in the game. But don't expect that. As far as the arguments on social media, I don't know why that happens. Um, it's kind of silly to me to have guys, grown men, and uh, engaging and women engaging in arguments about what's best and what's not best to, to go. So really what the swing breaks down to and throwing breaks down to is a pattern of efficiency. You know, we test hundreds of athletes, both high school, college, and, and some pro guys as well. 
and I see a lot of differences uh, as far as strength on the high, the, the, the high level high school guy and the college guy. The difference is, is that these older guys are more experienced and they're more efficient in their patterns. And you see that even while working with minor leaguers, that there is a level of efficiency in, in how guys generate energy and they're transferred to the baseball. So that's my answer. Continue to watch players and copy, but at the same time, you need to continue to explore how the body works and how uh, it, it wants to swing the bat. And eventually you may have a style that's similar to somebody else but you, you're always working on, on being efficient. That's my answer of the week, Jim. Look forward to talking to you guys next time, um, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Great stuff, Rick. means a lot to me. And, again, I know uh, everybody that uh, you work with and come in contact with greatly appreciates all your efforts and everything you do for, for uh, all the kids in your program and all the kids outside your program that come to you for help and, and, and your guidance. Fish, my man, thank you. I do appreciate it. It means a lot to me you coming on today. I hope everybody enjoyed the show as we transition out of our perfect game series. We're going to start talking a little bit more about this business of baseball. It's a, You know, it, you can look at it in one of two ways. I think people think it's a shame that it's become a $15 billion business. I just think it's like anything else. I mean, it's it's what we do. You know, I mean, it's what you choose to spend your money on. I mean, what do you want to spend your money on? You know, I mean, would what would you think if you pulled up and had a Lamborghini sitting outside? You think I was nuts, right? Yeah, but it wouldn't surprise me. Well, would you? <laughs> well, if you pulled up and had a batting cage in my backyard, would you think I was nuts? No, no. but it wouldn't surprise you. <laughs> no, I'm, you probably have one in your backyard. <laughs> I actually don't. But again, same thing, right? No, wouldn't surprise you, right? Right. You know, in the business side, Jimmy, is that. You can't stop the ball from rolling down the hill. You either jump in or you jump out and do the best you can with your own children. But I'm not going to change how this youth baseball or football or basketball is ran and looked at. It's a billion-dollar industry. So jump in or jump out. And Do you think ultimately at the end of the day, before we go, my last thing for you is, do you think ultimately at the end of the day all the negativity just comes back from people that just want it to go back to the way it was? I don't know if I thought enough to answer that correctly. I, m- maybe, maybe not. Uh, it, it's not going back to the way it was. So that's why I said jump in or jump out. It's not going back to the way it was when we played as youth. So either enjoy it and do the best you can or jump out and say, I want to do something different. I don't want to be part of this $15 billion business. That's well, all you can do. Well, and again, the only thing I've ever said about the whole thing that I'll never understand is, is that if this kind of stuff bothers you that much, just don't get involved in it. There's baseball leagues for people out there that want nothing to do with this. Right. I, I'll never understand why it's got to take some criticism. That's my but, point. Well, it's a billion-dollar business. All businesses nah, take you're right. some that, criticism. That, that makes sense. Makes and like sense. I said, we can't never lose sight of the fact that in this billion-dollar business, at least in my opinion, and I'm no businessman, is the resources are our children. Yeah. That changes everything. That's a game changer. Right, great point. Well, I appreciate you being on, my man. Thank you for having me. Once and again, check us out, youthbaseballtalk.com. Check out the old shows. Check out the new shows. Subscribe to the show through our uh, website as well. Hit us up on Twitter, at Podcast Baseball. Find us on Facebook. Simply type in Youth Baseball Talk. And, of course, make sure you check out lineupmedia.fm. For my producer, Brian Crock, my co-host, Spiker Helms, who's not with us this week, and, of course, my guest today, Fish, the gang over at theropetrainer.com. Can't thank you enough for the support. This is Youth Baseball Talk, and we'll see you on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. 
Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.